Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. Millie. Oh my God. (laughs) Millie's was so cute. I feel like we haven't really recapped since then. (laughs) No, we haven't. You and I have not touched base. No, we've been bad this week. But yes, I had a really good time. I told everyone. I told my mom, my dad, Sean. I talked all about it to them because it was just so fun talking to someone young and fun and cool who has been sober for years. I feel like there isn't much out there. There's like, oh, I had to quit because like it ruined my whole life. And like, I don't know, it's a sad narrative about it. And so I haven't really heard someone flip the narrative and be like a positive empowering. I do hear them flip it, but like from her whole story end to end, I haven't heard that from anyone else in our age group, especially. So I thought, yeah, I had a really good time talking to her. Mm -hmm. I know. I think she's very approachable about it and like, it makes it really inviting. And then also the fact that she's like made it her whole life. I feel like she just had so much to say and it was coming like, not just from her perspective, but the perspective of like people in her community. And she engages with the sober curious and the sober community so often that she just had like such good insights. Mm -hmm. Also, these topics are like, there's so many fine lines that you can like toe the line between controversial topics and like saying the wrong thing. And I think she has a really Mm -hmm. good job of towing the line and like seeing both sides for all of these different, like how serious addiction can be and can hurt and affect people, but also like how fun you can make sobriety and like, yeah. I, I feel like there's a dichotomy there that she has a really good job of kind of like weaving into one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, she keeps it really approachable for like a normal person who's like not steeped mm-hmm. in like the recovery culture, but she also doesn't discredit yeah. the recovery side of things. Um, I agree. She was really cool. I loved her book. We both read her book. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. It's nice. I feel like there isn't like, I really like that it's like hyper feminine girly branding because it just is a very welcoming space for mm-hmm. me <laughs> and like yeah. people like me. And yeah, I think she's awesome. So for those listening, Millie is the founder of Sober Girl Society and author of the Sober Girl Society handbook. Millie founded Sober Girl Society in September 2018, just seven months after she quit booze. Sober Girl Society has quickly grown into one of the largest communities for sober women. With SGS authoring her book and sharing her story through social media, Millie has now made empowering women to reevaluate their relation with alcohol her full-time job. What started as a self-help journey for herself has grown into an international community and a brand new book, which just released in late 2021. So Autumn and I got to talk to her, and if anyone is here from my TikTok, you know that I have been... uh, alcohol free since um January 1st ish I like think I had a glass of wine like the day after New Year's and I'm like that's so annoying because it was a single glass of wine and it like I can't really say January 1st (laughs) it was like January 2nd but it was really great um to talk to Millie we found each other through social media and I reached out to her to see if she'd be interested to come on because both Autumn and I were like we need to have someone to talk about sober curiosity and sobriety while I'm going through this so she was great. Um, like seriously, really loved talking to her. She was so bubbly. I like wanted to talk to her more. I'm sure we'll have her back at some point. <laughs> I know that's what I was thinking. I was like, I want. We didn't even get to touch on like enough 
of like her business and like what does she plan for SGS? Like I feel like we didn't touch on that enough. And so I would love to have her on again and talk all about the entrepreneurial side of it all because I think it's so it's not so easy, but you start something and it's like, this is going to be a fun way for me to build a community. And then you don't expect for it to blow up in the way that it did, especially for her. And so I want to talk about how she like harnessed all of that and like has the energy to do like working full time, but then she obviously quit her job, but still like how to like more about that transition. So I would love to have her back on. I thought I had so much fun talking to her and it was, it was cool also to see, I think a lot of people who, um, become sober, talk a lot about how they lose most of their friends from before and like have to make all new friendships. And so I was pretty surprised to hear her say that she actually didn't lose any friends and that she still was going to the clubs with their friends until 3am a lot and like doing mm-hmm. all the things that people that are young tend to want to do more. And, um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. And that gave me a new perspective because I just kind of thought like if I were to quit drinking, I would never go out. I would not want to do any of that. But like, I think a part of me still would want to go out and like dance and have fun mm-hmm. with everyone. So I thought that was, that was cool to hear about too. Yeah. And I think especially in our age group, it feels like you would have to lose so much, but you really don't. And I think like, that's how what she shows and like a lot of other people talk about, but it's nice to see someone like she talks about in her book, like a lot of people saying like, Oh, you're too young. You have your whole life to quit drinking, like enjoy it while you can, which I think is so strange. Mm -hmm. But then the other one is like, Oh, I wish I quit sooner. And I think there's so much pressure on like the age that you quit and like when it's appropriate to reevaluate your relation with drinking. It's cool for me to see someone like a couple years ahead who has successfully gone through this journey and sharing so much. Um, so it was, it was seriously amazing to have her on a, a true honor. Yeah. I also, it taught me a lot. Her book has taught me a lot too. Also like language around drinking, which I never really thought about before. Like even just using the word alcoholic and how that can be problematic. And when she compared the word alcoholic to smoker and how people, I don't know, like they, there are different connotations with those words. And like, even now in my conversations, with friends, I've heard people saying things like, yeah, but he had a problem. Like he was like an alcoholic or it's like, but like, not, I'm not like an alcoholic or like, she's not an alcoholic or anything. It's just like, we're just young, like drinking a lot. And so I've kind of, it's kind of put my little senses on high alert when I hear words (laughs) like that. I'm kind of like, damn, maybe that is problematic the way that we use that word. Like, I don't know. So her book is a really good resource. Even if you're like not considering like quitting drinking I still think it's a fun read to like you know just think about your how you drink not even like oh I want to quit but oh I want to maybe be more conscious of the way that I drink I think that's an important thing to Mm -hmm. do post-college too and yeah and I think understanding like I just feel like we center our lives so much around alcohol that even if you're not planning on doing like a major quit or a major stop or anything like that just hearing a different perspective than like the one that is constantly shoved down our throats all the time is like so beneficial to hear like, Oh, there totally are people that aren't just like, let's get fucked up. And like all that weird party culture, especially if you're right out of college, like we are like, that was such a thing. And both of us, I mean, did it for so many years. Like, well, I feel like I think that there's such a thing where like you have to be one or the other, like you have to be a major party girl or you have to be sober. It feels like 
there isn't a lot of conversation about middle ground with it. Like we were talking about this, I don't know when, but about how there's the whole that girl trend about being your healthiest version of yourself and very collected and clean and together. And then in response to the that girl trend, (laughs) counter that girl trend, which is the feral rat club girl, (laughs) feral club rat girl, I guess. And I'm like, why? I think it's so interesting that the uh, the people who are posting, like, I am anti that girl. I am feral in the club. I'm like, why does it have to be one of the other? Such extremes. Yeah. Like, couldn't you be, I don't know, that girl a few days of the week and like have a drink one uh, can't you be that girl but have a drink I don't know I feel like it's interesting that in the media in the world it's like you're that girl or you are not <laughs> I think that's yeah. weird. I don't know yeah no and with alcohol I, and I think part of that is like you're saying like the verbiage with of alcoholic and how people get so scared of that labeling that they don't even want it go near like saying like, Hey, I might have problematic drinking things or like things about my drinking are ruining my life. Like whether that be your hangover, even if you're not like doing anything bad, Mm -hmm. people are scared to say stuff like that because so much of the narrative out there is like, well then quit. Like if it's a problem, then quit. Like there's no in between. And I don't think that's fair. And I think it scares a lot of people away from like just talking about it. And so it was really nice. And Millie's completely uh, alcohol free and She's built this incredible, incredible community of women who also feel the same. And like, I think her social media, they're doing, I think, I think it was her or Alcohol Change UK actually is doing Sober Spring, which I just learned about. I think it's like Sober October, but like spring specific. I don't know how many months it is, like maybe April and May. Um, But I think it's adorable. And she was just a spokesperson for that. And so I feel like there's more conversation happening, but it's definitely, you know, we're not, we're not there yet, <laughs> but hopefully we'll be, think, this will be on the forefront of it. Yeah. I think in the next like five years, we'll see a lot of it. I think it's going to be like the next wave. And I've all of like mm-hmm. my health podcasts I listen to, and like the aging experts and the brain experts are all like, yeah, I don't drink. It's like the worst thing that you could do for your health. And it's interesting to think about. And I do think it's going to be a lot more popular in the next few years, which is exciting. For sure. Well, I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. It's actually going to be in two parts. So stay tuned for the second part. And yeah, Woo-hoo. everyone meet <laughs> Millie. Oh. Hi, Millie. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for coming. We're we're so excited. I literally finished your book yesterday, and I was like, I get to like ask her all my follow up questions. <laughs> like, I never get to do that with a book. Uh, oh, you're a speedy reader. That was quick. I read no. it and audibled it, so <laughs> I had like I was like double timing it, which was great. Nice. I tried so and hard nice. to finish it, but I'm like 200 pages in. I'm almost there, but I'm really loving it so far. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, the Audible was so cute because you were reading it. I was like, this is so fun. It's like we're just having yeah. a conversation. <laughs> you know what? I, um, so like the reviews on the Audible, someone said that they hated it because it sounded like I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there were moments where you sounded exactly like Hermione. Like there would be like little sentences where I was like, that sounded like Hermione. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> I kept getting told off for reading too quickly. He was like, slow it down. And I'd be like, oh, and he'd be like, slow. Oh, no, I loved it because it was like, it was like we were chatting over drinks, <laughs> but not. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, just like a little prequel on what this podcast is. So ever since I took a break from drinking, which was January, I had all this energy, as you know, happens and like wanted to put my productive energy towards something. And Autumn had also been feeling, we felt like, uh, I don't know, we both were just very energized by this new year. And we were like, we want to do something. We both have like our nine to fives. We're like, we want to do something beyond that. And we feel like a lot of people our age are very lost and they don't really know what to do. And so we just... We were like, why don't we just start a podcast and talk to different people our age who are doing really cool things um, and just learn more and then make a podcast about it. So that's what this this is. But we um, definitely wanted to have someone to talk about sobriety because um, a lot of my followers on TikTok like, are super curious about that. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of questions. So we wanted to bring in an, an expert rather than like me and my three months of experience. <laughs> um, so, And then you reached out to me. So we were like, wait, this is perfect. We should have her on. She would be amazing. Oh, yay. I loved you. I just came across you on TikTok. I think the algorithm just knows, doesn't it? And I was like, oh, my God, I love her content. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, but, but yeah, we're, we're super excited to have you and talk about Sober Girl Society, which is like an incredible, a crazy, incredible network that you've built. And I think, I mean, I came across you through my sobriety stuff and it really is amazing that you've built this community. Like, I don't think there is much out there like it. And it's really great to see a positive community that's like colorful and girly. And like, it, it like cheers on sobriety rather than like, I don't know, punishing the people for going through what they're going through. So I really love what you've built. Oh, thank you. So if you want to just start off by kind of talking about like how you got here, starting with like the beginning of your journey with alcohol and like how you started drinking, like was it just kind of normal? I mean, I, I feel like it's probably a little bit different drinking culture in the UK, but how did that, how did it start? Like were you in high school? Were you in college? Yeah, so we can drink when we're 18 here legally, um, which is about the time that we go off to university or like your equivalent is college. So I that was when I really started drinking. I think here we do start drinking quite young, but like family parties and but but when you're kind of unleashed for the first time going to university as an adult and at the same time you're allowed to drink, it's like it all happens at once. All of a sudden you're like freedom and then you just like start drinking. So that's kind of what happened to me is I, I went to university, I started working in bars to like um to kind of pay all my fees and tuition and everything. Um and just went from being pretty much like a nothing drinker to like a three four night a week kind of binge drinker and it was very like go hard or go home mentality so it wasn't you know a few casual drinks it was like we're gonna drink until we're absolutely blackout like I remember our first year it was it was ridiculous this is I mean this was like 12 years ago now when I went to university and we had like a tally to see who was gonna like get the drunkest and get their stomach pumped like it was just it was crazy at the time, but that was just kind of how the mentality was. And I remember even the university kind of encouraged it. We sort of got like in our freshers pack, we got like a shot glass and there was like a pub crawl and, and things like that. So it, it, yeah, it was never a question that I was going to go to uni and not drink. And then I kind of left university 
and all my friends got jobs and started like calming down on their partying and I went to work in media which is like a really like booze heavy industry so first of all, I worked in PR and then I worked in journalism and I was just drinking all the time like there was just free booze at every opportunity and I think that's when I started I didn't even notice it to be honest but I think that's when my drinking kind of transformed from something that was just something I did because everyone did to like actually I started using it for confidence and uh, for anxiety and without realizing it became something that I needed rather than just like wanted to do Um, and then I got to kind of like my early 20s and I really started suffering with my mental health so like bad depression really awful anxiety but I never linked it there was never conversations around alcohol mental health like it was always kind of focusing on the physical aspect of alcohol like cancer or heart disease no one ever really talked about alcohol mental health and I I kind of knew because it was quite obvious because I was getting that awful like hangover anxiety and like really bad beer fear but I just I still didn't like kind of put it together and I think at the same time there is this whole rock bottom mentality we have with drinking where you can't stop until you are like that bad and people kept saying to me oh you, you know you're not that bad you're not waking up you're not putting vodka on your cornflakes or <laughs> it was just kind of like oh you're you know you're just a party girl you're just young you're just in your 20s that's what everyone does uh, but I kind of knew deep down that it was making me really really unhappy and then I um I kind of did a few like dry January, a few sober October, kind of experimented with stuff, but I always just went back because it was just so normalized. And then I went out on a night out when I was 26. Um, so this was 2018. Went out, got so blackout drunk, don't remember anything. I remember there was tequila and I was in the smoking area puffing away, which is something that I only used to do when I was drinking as well. Um, and then just woke up the next morning and just said, I cannot keep doing this. Like, I, I'm so miserable. I spend every weekend hungover you know, existential crisis, ringing my friends, does everyone hate me? What did I do last night? Waking up in random places. And I just said, I just can't do it anymore. And that was, yeah, four years ago now. And that was, yeah, the the kind of story of my my drinking and then my not drinking. Wow. That is, it sounds like the normal like person's kind of timeline too. I feel like the way you write about it in the book, I think you even make it sound a little more extreme in the book. And I think people think there needs to be some sort of crazy story, but in reality, like you just took part in regular drinking culture and that was already too much, you know? Um, I'm wondering though, when you decided you woke up that morning, was it just like, I'm done and you were done that moment? Or did you have multiple like, oh, I'm going to be done. And then you quit for like two months and then you were like, oh wait, but I feel good now. I'm going to have one more drink. Like, was it just, I'm done forever and that was it? Or did you kind of have like some up and downs there? Yeah, so like throughout the years, I think from probably about my my early 20s, I started kind of saying, oh, I'm never drinking again. Like, you know, I'd said it every morning after a hangover, I'm never drinking again. And I would take a few weeks off and then I was right back at it. So it sounds like I just kind of said, that's it, I'm never drinking again. And that was that. But that, I think, was literally the like straw that broke the camel's back. It was like the last kind of like, I cannot keep doing this. And I always say, I, I think it was like real fate. And I'm not, I'm not a huge like believer in all that, but I really do think this was a few weeks before I had that kind of final night out. I was on uh, the tube going to work in London and we have a, like a free magazine that's distributed called Stylist Magazine. So I was reading Stylist Magazine and there was an interview with a woman called Catherine Gray and she was talking all about her new book that was coming out and all about her sobriety story. And I thought, wow, I, I really resonate with that. And I kind of boxed it up, thought about it, put it away. 
And then that morning when I woke up, I remembered that that she'd written this book. So I was like, okay, I'm going to download that. So I downloaded it on Audible and listened to it on that day. And I honestly do think that that was like the change because I'd never really spoken to anyone about how miserable alcohol was making me because everyone like when I used to ring my friends in the morning and be like I'm so embarrassed you know I really made a fool of myself last night everyone probably hates me they were like don't worry you're fine but inside I was like riddled with anxiety like so sad just crying my eyes out and I read her book and I was like someone gets it I was like I can't believe like someone is is saying my story and they get it and it was the first time sobriety had ever felt like an option. Like it just, because to me it was so like something that only people who had like your stereotypical drinking problem did. It wasn't for people like me who just, you know, like couldn't handle it. So that for me was such a turning point. And I think that's the only thing that made, I think that's, that's why I then stuck to it more than any other times. Cause I finally had someone else to be like, Oh yeah, that, that was me. Yeah. I, I told Autumn, I was like, I feel like reading this book is like reading my diary. (laughs) It's like, I feel like our stories and the way that we feel about drinking is very similar. And that's, I actually, my dad and my mom are both don't drink. My mom quit drinking when she was 21, uh, probably for similar reasons to us, but like people didn't really do that back then. And so she, I, she has some interesting stories, but my dad went through AA. And so I was kind of raised and brought up around alcohol with like the AA philosophy, which never really resonated with me. And especially when you're like a moody teenager, who's like trying to figure her life out when you're being told all of these things and putting labels of like alcoholism and stuff like on you so young it's, I wanted to push it back against it so hard. And I do think it is like a very extreme philosophy and it is a really incredible program to provide free resources for so many people and help out so many people like totally respect and love it for that reason. And obviously it helped my family, my dad's sobriety. Um, but I do think like having that mindset for so much of my life scared me so much away from the idea of sobriety. And when I was in college, like similar thing, I went to a party school. I was a party girl. Like that was my label. It was okay because I was like that person. Like it was like part of my identity. Um, and then as I grew up, I was just like, I mean, the things that you felt like my hangovers, I was like, I want to die. Like, this is so miserable. And my friends are like getting up and going to yoga and I don't understand like where this (laughs) difference is, but like, I want to see none of you and like hide for three weeks before I like recover fully. And I think I actually found Sober Curiosity and Ruby Warrington was like my person. But I loved this thing that you talked about in the book of like, I think it was like one line and you were like, you don't have to hit a rock bottom. You're allowed to just hit a lot of rock middles. Um, And that I was like, like, I literally was walking my dog in the park and I was like, yes, like in my out loud voice with my AirPods in. (laughs) So I would love for you to go a bit more into that and like, your experience and also when you talk to other women in your community, like their experiences with like rock bottom versus like rock metals. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you said about AA is so important. I always say like, 
<clears throat> I'm not against AA in any way. I think it is a fantastic um, kind of community and a resource and it's it's free most importantly. But there was a lot that I kind of didn't resonate with, that didn't feel like it was going to be for me. And again, seemed quite scary. Like it seems like such a big deal. And I think we are talking about this kind of label now of alcoholic and actually how kind of helpful is it. And I think for some people, the label alcoholic can be really empowering and it can kind of help keep them accountable. But for a lot of people it really puts them off kind of making a choice of sobriety because there's a lot of stigma about it so like I don't want to be labeled as an alcoholic and also a lot of people just don't resonate with it and they say you know drinking is an obvious problem but I I don't necessarily want to be labeled as an alcoholic I think we're also kind of talking now about um alcohol use disorder is more of like a spectrum so it's not just one thing or the other because I think it's quite a convenient narrative for like the alcohol industry that there's you know alcoholics or they're not it's not oh actually we've got a really addictive toxic substance and a lot of people will get addicted to it it it's that oh you know they couldn't drink properly so they're alcoholics so I think that is changing but I think we do have this huge narrative around drinking about this kind of idea of rock bottom and not being that bad and it's funny because we don't have it with anything else like if you were a smoker you wouldn't say oh you know you can keep smoking your lungs haven't collapsed yet like just just keep going you're fine like it's silly you give up because you want to prevent that from happening And and the analogy I use in the book as well is you know if you looked at a building and you saw that it was on fire, you wouldn't say, oh, it's fine. We've got a few more hours. Let's just leave it. You're going to be like, no, there's a fire. Let's handle it. But with drinking, it's like, oh, okay, we'll we'll wait. And I think the problem is as well, like we really encourage people to drink. And, you know, if, if they say, oh, I'm not drinking, we're like, come on, you need to keep drinking. But then actually when people do kind of suffer the fate of these uh, real alcohol dependencies, we're almost quite dismissive of it. We're like, oh, we did that to themselves. You know, if you see like, homeless people with alcohol addiction oh they did that to themselves or it's like we have this kind of lack of sympathy for them and and we don't humanize them we just say oh they're an alcoholic or they're a drug addict but actually we've been such part of the problem and if we tackled that earlier they might not be in the place that they are and that place now all of a sudden we're really dismissive of them so it's an is a real narrative I think that we absolutely have to work on changing is that actually if you see a problem get it tackled now because otherwise it could just escalate in something else and I think the other thing to note is that no one is like immune there's this idea of like oh you know an alcoholic so if your dad was an alcoholic you're going to be one but you know if you're if your family weren't then you're fine you're not you're like you're going to escape the fate of it that's it only happens to certain people it can happen to anyone if you drink enough you can become to the point where your alcohol is where your body is dependent on alcohol so no, no one is immune I think that's the other thing to note as well Yeah, and I think it's a good point that you make about like, we don't take accountability for our part in other people's drinking stories. And you talked about that in the book. You were saying how when people aren't drinking, their number one excuse is going to be like, oh, I'm on antibiotics or I'm driving. And it brought to memory, I had like this work event uh, in October. And this one girl who I was like really hitting it off with, she was like, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm on antibiotics. And I was like, oh, you can have one. And I was like, reading your book, I was like, God, why did I say that to her? Because like, she, maybe she wasn't even on them. And also, even if she was on them, like the doctor literally says like, don't have them. And I think it's just because that was my first work event with this company. And I was so nervous that I was like projecting my nerves onto her. And I was like, well, it will have more fun if she has a drink too, which like, we had a good time talking and she didn't have a drink and like, it was fine. But I read that and 
the whole time I was reading that section, I was like, God, like I feel bad for saying that. I wish I could take it back. And I don't know if she doesn't drink now, like maybe she is fully like quitting. Like, I don't know what her story is. <laughs> and um, yeah. So I just, I think it's really important too, to like take accountability and in, in of yourself with other people and like their relationship with alcohol too, which I don't think is ever really talked yeah. about. So I think that's a really good point that you make. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I wouldn't beat yourself up at all for saying that because it, it sometimes it's just an automatic reaction as well. It's just like, that's the thing you say. If someone says, oh, I'm a 96, you go, oh, go on, you can have one. Even if you don't really care deep down, it's just, it's like something that you feel like you have to say. But I, I just, yeah, it is a strange one. But And I think you're so right. It is about projecting your kind of insecurities around alcohol and nerves. And I know that because I used to do that. I used to hate it when people used to say, I, I mean, I was the worst. Like when people used to say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight, I'd be like, oh, you're so boring, you're so this, or come on, just have one. And it's because I didn't want to be the only drunk one, and I didn't want everyone to see how drunk I was. I wanted them to be just as drunk as me. Like, it was all about me. It wasn't about them, because after I'd drunk enough anyway, I wouldn't have known whether they were drunk. Like, the next day, I'd wake up and be like, were you drunk last night? Or It didn't really matter to me. It was just like, it was, it was all about me. Yeah, that is such... <laughs> Uh, once again, <laughs> same. But I think like there's there's just so many times I look back and one of my friends has, he just like didn't really ever get super into drinking. And I think about how we grew apart. And part of that was him because he didn't want to hang out with me because I was drinking all the time. <laughs> and part of it was me because I was like, well, we have nothing in common. So like, why would we hang out? And whenever I would see him, I was always like, even if I wasn't pushy, because I knew that he didn't have the barrier I was always hyper aware of the fact that he wasn't drinking and I was like he like I remember being like oh when I go in front of him I have to like be on my best behavior and he can't know how drunk I am because like everyone else here is gonna be drinking a lot so like they aren't a threat to me but like this person is the threat to me because they might not be drinking a lot and it is very selfish and it is very like my ego is so involved here. <laughs> this has nothing to do with anybody else. It is very much me. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. My mom actually talks about how when she was, when she quit drinking, she was like, I feel like there was a lot of enablement on my behalf for my dad because my, my parents have been together since they were 16. So they've been together forever, but they were dating in college when she quit drinking. And she was so worried that her being sober was going to like push her out of the group. But she was like, but my link is through my boyfriend who still drinks. And so she would like not push him to drink, but like push him to be a part of the party and be like, no, it's fine. Like, like we're fun. We're the fun couple. Like you have fun for the both of us. And it is so interesting how insecure and I don't know, it, it makes people so nervous to be the only sober person. So with that, I mean, how like when you were looking around and when you stopped drinking how did it work with your friend group how like did you did you get really uncomfortable and insecure in the beginning like how did you handle that yeah I always say so when I first told my friends I didn't think they believed me like it wasn't that they weren't supportive but they were just a bit like oh you've said oh I'm never drinking again before and you've never stuck to it so kind of first of all I don't think they believed it was real so I did my first few nights out and they kind of like entertained it and then I think they were actually quite surprised because they were like oh you were actually really fun and you didn't judge us the next day and I always say I think like the proof is in the pudding like once they see that you're like 
not being judgy or not doing all those things, then they're kind of fine. And then I think by the time they realized I was doing it, I remember I went on holiday like six months later and they said, oh, are you, are you going to drink when we're away? And I said, no, I'm not. And they were like, oh, you're actually serious about this. And I was like, yeah, I am. And I think then they suddenly realized, but I think that by that point, they'd already seen that I could go out and I could have fun and I wouldn't be judgmental. So it, it was quite a weird situation. I think had they realized I was going to be serious from the start, I think there might have been a bit more like, oh, you're going to be fun, you're going to do this. But just them kind of seeing it, it was fine. I think they still get the odd time now where they're like, oh, God, don't tell us the next day like what we did. They always call me CCTV because they're like, she's <laughs> going to be out tell us the next day like oh yeah by the way you did this they're like we just don't want to know so I'm like that's fine I just think like it's been four years now they're so used to it and I say this with like so much stuff with sobriety like it does get easier like I know you said earlier oh you know like I've only done three months I think the beginning is the hardest and I think that's where you're like you're navigating that transition you're you're trying to tell your friends that like I'm not being preachy you have to keep answering to why you're not drinking I think those bits are the hardest like for me now it's genuinely quite easy because my friends are so used to it they know that I don't judge them they know I don't care if they drink around me like they know all those things and, and it's not even really a conversation anymore so I think it's the hard like the hardest at the beginning and I just think it gets easier so I don't think it's ever going to be like really easy at the beginning you just have to kind of keep talking to your friends keep those lines of communication open and and yeah they'll just see eventually that you're absolutely fine around them (laughs) it's funny because that's why I like started posting TikToks was because I was like I don't want to have weird individual conversations with everyone about like not drinking I was like I'll just post it and then people will figure it out (laughs) and it like worked (laughs) I know you talked about like soft launching your boyfriend but you just hard launched not drinking on social media I didn't even know she was like doing like whatever like a hundred day break or whatever this turns into at all until I saw on TikTok I was like uh we need to catch up like what's going on not that I was like judgmental I was excited for her and so I was like what's happening but something I'm wondering for you Millie is when you told your friends did you have any transformation in your friend group did you lose any friends and then like, do you still go out as much as you used to? I feel like the answer is for sure no, but I was still surprised that you even like committed to going out as much as you did sober. So I want to know more about <laughs> that too. Yeah, I think um, some of the th- things I kind of do with my friends have definitely changed, but I have been really lucky to keep the same friends. And I think that is not rare because I hear it from a lot of people, but I have had a lot of instances of people like coming to the platform saying like, I've lost friends over it. And my friends don't want to hang out with me. So to be honest, I have been really lucky in that respect. Um, I would say that like I am quite stubborn so when kind of my friends said that I wasn't going to be any fun I was like I'm going to show you so I started like really going out straight away and and proving them wrong Um, so I think that's really why I went out so much I think as I've transitioned into my like I mean I'm 30 now I think naturally we go out less we don't really go to clubs as much but we still go to like a lot of bars or things so I always say like I really admire anyone in their like early 20s who gives sobriety a go because I just think that's like incredible um but definitely like the things that I've done with my friends have changed and I always say it's quite difficult because like going to bars and going to clubs and is really easy like it's the default if you're trying to make a plan you could just say oh we'll just meet at this bar and it takes a lot more organization to do something totally different and I think for a while I just kind of 
realized that it might have to be me taking the onus of the organization so I would suggest things and say to my friends you know like I've seen this really cool place that does like axe throwing and bowling do you want to go and they're kind of like well yeah if you want to organize it we'll go <laughs> and that's what I realized is that people are actually really happy to do different things they just can't be bothered to organize it most of the time so if you want to do different stuff you kind of just have to for, for the beginning point just be like okay well I'm going to organize some fun stuff and you're all going to come along and actually they're the things that my friends like really talk about now when we look at our nights out they all kind of blur into one we'll be like oh do you remember that night out and they'll be like no it wasn't wasn't that for so-and-so's birthday we'll be like what club did we go to but like now they really remember the new things that we did so we're like oh my god do you remember that time we went whitewater rafting or do you remember that time we did like karaoke so doing different things I think has been really good so yeah definitely have a lot more variety within my friend group and we do a lot more like brunch dates and day things but I've been really lucky in that I haven't necessarily like lost any friends which I'm really grateful for and like a follow-up question to that so it sounds like your friends they mostly still drink I'm I'm sure you've like gained Mm. sobriety friends with sober girl society obviously but it sounds like your like core friend group from college or high school whatever still drinks and so I was wondering when you attend big events like weddings or festivals or concerts or clubs like what does it look like for you or like what is what is it called um like what's the thing bridal shower bachelorette party oh like a bachelorette party yeah yeah yeah. hendo we call it yeah i was wondering if that's what that was (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know why we have hendo and stag do rather than bachelor and bachelorette (laughs) yeah so like what do what do those look like for you like when you when you know you're opting in for a weekend that's like gonna be binge drinking for a lot of people like what does it look like for you yeah, so I've actually got a hen party this weekend, one of my best friends. So one of the things that I like doing is being quite like an organiser of things because I think that gives me things to do. I can also like kind of dictate what we're doing as well. So I know that there'll be fun things for us. Um, so like we've got workshops organised. I've done like a quiz, like a Mr. and Mrs. thing. And like I'm going to do like organise the games and things like that because that keeps me busy on the day. So like I know that I've got things to do. Um, I always make sure that I bring like good non-alcoholic stuff and I have got to that age now where I've got a lot of friends that are becoming pregnant so that helps as well so I'm actually not going to be the only sober one this weekend but I I was for a long time Um, so I always take like really good non-alcoholic drinks I always kind of like stipulate you know actually if it gets too much I might leave I think by taking the pressure off yourself it's almost like you're fine like if I put it out there and say actually if we go to a club you know I might head out at like 12 o'clock everyone's like that's fine yeah you you do your thing and then I'm so relaxed that I end up staying till like two or three I think if I don't tell people that in advance I'm there being like oh god what if I want to leave I'm gonna have to awkwardly say bye I'm gonna like no put it out there before and be like I might leave I might just not say bye to you I'll text you let you know I haven't been abducted and like that's the end of that so I think like getting those things out and just making sure that you take time for yourself as well like sometimes I'll get up in the morning while everyone's a bit hungover I'll like go and get myself a coffee go for a little walk just like make sure that I'm kind of having like a bit of me time as well to like de-stress because I think it can be a lot when there's like a lot of people around you um yeah just taking it easy like maybe sharing a room with someone you know doesn't drink as much as the other people I think that's always a good thing if you're going away I think there's so many like 
practical things that you can do I always offer to be like a photographer because again it keeps my hands busy like I don't have to be thinking about like getting drinks so for one of my friends hemp parties they went to a, a like a gin distillery for like a gin tasting afternoon and I was like I'll be a photographer so I was like going around I was like taking pictures of everyone and then I was fine so I think it's just about like distracting yourself taking time for yourself finding other things that you can do and yeah if you can get involved in the organization you can kind of tailor it to things that you know that you'll enjoy without drinking well that's great for me because autumn knows I'm the absolute planner of our friend group and I think (laughs) me not being completely shit-faced every single time will probably just make me a better planner (laughs) um oh I had another point oh so what would you say like do you have advice for the for your friends and like your the people that are drinking in the situation like on how they can handle it or like awkward confrontations or things that you've had happen that you recommend people avoid. Um, I feel like there's kind of two sides to the friendship. It's like you and then also their part in it. Yeah, I think just like communicating, asking what they need, like what would make you feel comfortable? Like, do you want to leave? Are you okay here? Like keeping that communication open, I think is always really good. Um, If you're like hosting a dinner party, if you're like a friend, make sure that you're providing like good alcohol-free drinks because there's nothing worse than like turning up to a dinner party and you literally drinking water. So it's like quite nice to be like thought of or like, you know, if you're hosting a wedding, things like that. Um, Yeah, I think maybe don't pry into why they're not drinking unless they kind of say I always say I'm a really open book and I really like having these conversations because I think it kind of opens people's minds up and I'm really happy to chat about it and I don't get offended when people think it's boring but a lot of people don't necessarily want to be asked why they're not drinking so just ask the question do you want to talk about it are you okay with talking about it if not don't worry like if you want to ask just check that they're happy first rather than diving straight in with them why are you not drinking um, don't accuse anyone who isn't drinking of being pregnant. I think that's the top one. Um, always, yeah, just avoid that subject completely. But yeah, just I think making sure they're comfortable asking what you can do if there's anything and you know, like celebrating the milestones. It's a really big thing. So I love it if like it's my sober anniversary and my friends just text me and say, you know, like great, really proud of you. Like I think it means a lot and even just like telling your friend, you know, I, I think you're amazing sober, like you're really doing well. Because I think there is that tendency to be like, oh, do my friends think I'm boring now? Do they really like hanging out with me anymore? Just reassuring them, being like, we love hanging out with you. Like we love that you're a better planner now. You keep us all organized. Like all of those things, I think just, yeah, reminding them that you still really appreciate them as a friend, even though that they're not drinking. Yeah, I think that it's important. The, the point you bring up about asking people, like, oh, do you even want to talk about it is really important. I think that's something that I've always known with like body image to like not bring up other people's like bodies unless they bring it up. Like, even if they look really good or they lost weight or they gained weight, like, and I want to say, oh, you look good, I just don't until if they say, oh, I feel so proud of myself, then I'm like, yeah, you, you do yeah. look really good. I feel like, a similar thing could be applied to drinking if, if Jordan's like, I'm so proud of myself for this and like wants to talk about it all the time. Like I'll talk about it with her too, but I don't feel like I, I want to try to not like, I don't know, be overbearing and like bring it up all the time because maybe she doesn't want to talk about it. And also like, that's not all she is, you know, just because she took yeah. <laughs> three months off of drinking doesn't mean that's like the only thing we can talk about or the only thing there is to talk about. 
Um, I also want to know how did your family handle it? Did you like tell them? Was it just kind of like a you just never really drank around them anymore, or was it a whole conversation? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I did tell them because uh, my mum had been quite worried for a long time, I think. So for a lot of my like early 20s, I was living at home because um, I'd like come back from university, was doing like internships. So she'd seen a lot of me like coming back like really drunk and like, you know, when I was going out, she was always like, be safe, like text me if you need me. And oh, sometimes I'd like miss my last train home and have to ring her. And she was always just saying like, you're drinking like far too much. You need to be like careful. Like, I think she was worried about a lot of the kind of like vulnerable sides of being too drunk as a young woman as well. So worrying about me getting abducted and ending up in God knows where. So she was absolutely relieved when I said that I wasn't drinking anymore. And um, again, a bit like my friend said, I think I'd said it so many times. I don't think she actually believed me. And now she's like, Oh yeah, like you're really sticking to it. Um, so she was quite relieved. I don't, I don't think my dad cared either way. Really. I think he was really proud of me, but I was just a typical dad like, Oh yeah. Um, so I, I think they were kind of really, really supportive now like everyone is so supportive now even people at the beginning that were a bit funny about it have like been like wow I can see how happy you are and how much it's changed you for the better I think once people see that in you they don't really have a leg to stand on to try and get you to go back to drinking because they're like oh you're more fun you're happier you're calmer you're like all these things how can they argue that you were more fun last time? Like, it's just quite hard, really. So I think after a while, people just like, they do convert. And I mean, I remember I went on dates in the early days with people and they would be like, oh, that's a bit weird that you're not drinking. And now they like message me and be like, oh, yeah, I haven't drunk for three months. So I thought of you like, what? At the beginning, <laughs> you were like singing Nick out of me. So like, I think it's important to realize that people's initial reactions won't necessarily always be their reactions. So like take everything with a picture i also i was talking to my cousin who is 30 and he was talking about he quit drinking at around 23 like my age and so he and i talk about it a lot and um he was like yeah it's definitely interesting in the beginning because you haven't seen that many people's lives negatively impacted by alcohol by any way but he's like now that I'm older. It's like, I have friends who are pregnant who took long breaks from drinking because they were having a baby and like the husband did it in solidarity or, or he like on this worst side of it, like he's seen people's lives ruined by alcoholism. That was like fun partying in college and then kind of never went away. And he's like, I honestly think like people evolve naturally to the concept of it over time, just because you start seeing more of it. And when you're in college and like our age, it's hard to understand the negative impacts because you don't see as much of it. And so I think that's another one of the, one of the struggles with quitting at a younger age is a lot of people are like, but it's fun. And what you're saying, like, we're still young. It hasn't like, we don't have marriages to ruin. Like, don't worry about it. And I love your building analogy. Another thing that I find with my friends is I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say like, Hey, I feel like, I have a problem or I've really been having terrible hangovers or like, I honestly, like they always come on Sunday, which I always think is funny, but like people were texting on Sunday and (laughs) they're just like, I'm so miserable. Like, how has it been for you? And I, I think so many more people are thinking about it than you understand when you're going through it. And that's one of the things I've found. And I'm sure you found with Sober Girl Society, you found a lot of them. So 
on a, on a Sunday. It's the busiest day. We get the most new followers on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's just like, everyone's like, fuck, I'm tired and I hurt. And I know that Jordan's talking about this. So I might as well like <laughs> reach out to her. So I try to be conscientious of like when people are pushing me at parties or anything like that. Like the first party I went to, literally the only conversation I had the whole night was like, why are you not drinking? Um, but I, I'm trying to be like empathetic to the fact that a lot of people are just like curious and interesting because they're like, me too. And I'll say like, yeah. it's because it makes me super depressed. And they're like, it makes me really depressed. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. yeah. You, it's weird because you think people are asking you like because they're not being rude but they're like oh why are you not drinking but actually they're more like oh I want to do that as well I always say like every kind of weekend away I go especially if I go like on a hen party where I don't know like I don't know the bride's sister or whoever at the start I'm like oh the the girl who doesn't drink by the end they're all coming to me like as we're like departing to go home they're like oh I'm really like after this weekend I'm really thinking about it I'm gonna follow you on Instagram and I'm like yeah go for it like thank you so much for listening we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it don't forget to subscribe rate and review and follow us on tiktok and instagram at still no plan pod see you, see next, you next wednesday, wednesday. Woo-hoo.